Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 167. Today's episode is all about transforming your relationship or marriage to a spiritual partnership. As I'm healing all that within myself, I'm understanding the roots of where that came from. And hopefully you're trying to be with a partner who's engaged in similar level work and understands the roots of the dysfunction because then you're picking from a different place and you have empathy for each other in a different way. So what ends up happening is like the marriage or the partnership becomes very spiritually healing because you can see where the other person is wounded and how your empathy can be very healing for them. And at the same time, you know, to your point, if you're purpose-driven and in alignment, that can be the catalyst by which you turn outwards and you start working and healing other people who may be facing similar, you know, challenges. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hi, friends. First of all, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you're always updated about new episodes. Plus, you want to know basically the best way to give back to your favorite podcasts? actually go to the iTunes app and leave a five-star review. Reviews are scientifically proven to make me love you more. That's just how it is. I love you when you leave me a review. You sit in my heart for days at a time. No, but seriously, they really help the growth of the show. They're probably the number one thing that you can do besides supporting my sponsors or joining the membership. So it's an easy, free way to give back to a podcast you love. And if you do leave me a review, send it to me at mindlovemelissa on Instagram, and I'll send you a free meditation track. Today, I want to share a review by Utro Ligbra Podcast from the United Kingdom. She says, loving the podcast all around, but felt compelled to write this review after listening to your recent podcast on breakups and unhealthy relationships. It was the perfect podcast for me right now, touching on all the topics I've been diving into personally and trying to understand. I was blown away. Thank you so much. I'm so glad I found this podcast. Well, thank you so much. I love getting reviews and this one totally made my day. When you think about your relationship, what does it do for you? What needs does it fulfill? What expectations do you tend to place on your partner? Are you both growing together? Or do you hold him or her to the standard of the person that they were when you first got together? What does it even really mean to have a healthy relationship? So we all know by now that divorce rates just seem to keep getting higher, but sometimes when I think about it, I think it's kind of a miracle that we maintain relationships at all. I mean, we essentially have zero guidance when we enter into a relationship, and then we tend to bring in all of our baggage from past relationships, from trauma, from childhood wounds, and not only that. Just being in a relationship tends to highlight all of our own issues and patterns that we might not have even known are there. I definitely noticed this with my own emotional patterns. I was just talking about it in episode 165, All About Moods. Well, I honestly didn't even realize that my emotions were so big until I lived with a partner full time. When I was with my friends, I was always the laid back, go with the flow friend. And that was easy because it was only a part-time job. I don't think I even realized that I was just staying home or avoiding people when I was moody. So a lot of people didn't see that side of me. Well, because some of these patterns come up in our relationships, it can be easy to assume that it's your partner that's the one that's doing it to you. Your partner makes you mad or your partner makes you feel insecure or your partner makes you crazy. But here's the thing. 
One of my biggest lessons over the last 10 years has been that if my happiness or my well-being or my peace is dependent on someone else changing, then I'm giving my power to the wrong source. And yeah, it'd be great if I could just change everyone around me to fit my preferences. But for one, that would only hinder my own personal growth. It's kind of like a spoiled child. You give them everything they want, and rarely does that bring them closer to happiness or being a good person. They just create more expectations for their happiness. And second, expecting everyone else to change based on your triggers and your preferences or expectations, it just isn't feasible. It's a really excellent way to make sure that you feel frustrated all the time. So instead, I focus on my own behavior and my own expectations. The more I work on my ability to find peace or understanding or compassion, the easier it is to find peace no matter what life throws at me. And that's putting the power over my life experience back in my hands instead of in the hands of everyone else. So this does not mean that you should put up with a partner who disrespects you or who hurts you on purpose or who really doesn't value you in your relationship. There's a balance. But what I found is, as I place the focus on my own patterns, I also come to know myself more. And as I build a deeper relationship with me, I also have an easier time setting my own boundaries, knowing what I want in a partner and in friends, knowing what I really value in my relationship. And I even get clearer on what gives me purpose. And so knowing myself and valuing myself makes it so much easier to honor those things. And that kind of growth is contagious. You attract the energy that you put out into the world, which means one of two things. Either I'm going to attract new relationships that are in alignment with the person that I am or that I'm becoming, or I'm going to inspire the person that I'm with to grow with me. And this is the difference between the old paradigm and the new paradigm for relationships. Gary Zukov, the author of Seed of the Soul, talks about spiritual partnerships, He says that our species is evolving, and with that, we're creating a whole new type of relationship and a new type of person. Whereas decades ago, or even all the way back to thousands of years ago, relationships were more about survival. The woman procreated, and the man brought home the meat, or hunted and gathered, or worked long hours at a corporate job while the woman had the babies and cooked the food. Whereas now, we've evolved, and our needs are greater and more complex. We have more facets and we seek more meaning. So maybe the traditional roles feel right for you. That's totally fine. Or maybe the roles are reversed or it's a combo. Maybe your relationship is same-sex or asexual. Or maybe the idea of marriage just doesn't jive with you at all. So he says that as we become aware of ourselves as more than we once thought we were, and this is happening to millions of people already, We long for relationships that are the most meaningful and rewarding possible. The type of relationships that support us in becoming healthy and vibrant and creative and loving. Well, these are spiritual partnerships. So a spiritual partnership is kind of like a container of a relationship that supports each partner into becoming more aware of their emotions, into becoming more aware of their intentions, and in making the most healthy choices that they can. I see my relationship as a spiritual partnership. I know he's my biggest fan. Sometimes he's my coach. Sometimes he just gives me the space I need to make my own mistakes without judgment. And we offer each other compassion and understanding when we say the wrong thing or we accidentally hurt one another. But we can do that because we trust one another so deeply. We trust in our love and we trust that we have each other's best interest at heart. But I will say that this is not always easy, it didn't happen overnight, and we are still learning. So that's what we're talking about today, and our guest is Monica Parikh. She is the founder of School of Love in New York, and she teaches about love, psychology, and higher consciousness. Three key things we will learn are all about the spiritual purpose of relationships and marriage, how to turn blame into self-reflection and how to cultivate emotional intelligence so your relationships flourish. But before we dive in, do you wish there was a way to start each day with a little reminder of your own power? Just sign up for the Morning Mind Love for daily inspirational messages right to your inbox. 
I get messages from people every single day about how the morning mind love is their favorite way to start their day, or that the message that came through is exactly what they needed to hear. It's kind of like your own personal inspiration oracle. Just visit mindlove.com and sign up right there on the homepage. Plus, you'll get some amazing free gifts when you do, like a free guided binaural affirmation meditation designed to rewire your brain to your highest self. And you'll get one of my favorite tools, a booklet of my personal power lists to help you gain clarity and live each day with intention. And it's all completely free. Just go to mindlove.com to sign up. Or if you're out and about, text the word morning to 33777. That's morning to 33777. And now let's welcome Monica Parikh to the show. Oh, Melissa, thank you so much for having me. I'm such a huge fan of yours. It's a, it's a real honor. So give us a little insight into your story. How did you make that transition from being a lawyer to focusing so much on love? Well, you know, I certainly never imagined I'd be here, but I know it was why I was born and what I'm supposed to do. Um, You know, it really started 12 years ago. I went through a very traumatic divorce. And, you know, the quick and dirty of it is that, you know, my husband walked out of our decade-long marriage um, without any warning, and I never saw him again. And from that, you know, I just started asking the first question, which was, why did my marriage fail in this crazy way? But then I extended and said, well, why are marriages generally failing? You know, the statistics about marriage are pretty bleak. More than 50% of marriages end in divorce. And of those people who remain married, about 7 out of 10 report being unhappy And so I just started asking the question of, you know, why is marriage not prospering and what do we need to do as a society to build a better marriage? So when you started thinking about that, what really interests me is I know that so many people, when they go through a breakup or a divorce, they can get caught in that cycle of blame (laughs) where, you know, it's got to be the other person's fault because I could feel it. (laughs) So how did you make sure that you went from, you didn't get caught in that blaming trap and you turned it into this kind of broader reflection of maybe how you were approaching the marriage and how, how marriages can be better approached overall? Yeah. I mean, I certainly am no saint. So in the beginning (laughs) stages, there was a lot of blame and you know, what ends up happening when you really undergo, you know, therapy or some kind of psychoanalysis is that really like the whole point of it is to look inward at yourself and ask where you have made mistakes so you don't repeat them, you know, because that's what generally our human tendency is to do is, you know, we repeat the same mistakes over and over until we've learned the lesson that's supposed to be learned. So as I, you know, was engaging in that process, of course, so many truths were unearthed. And, you know, that's the process of coming into consciousness where you're seeing how your family upbringing impacts your choice in partner. You're seeing where you saw red flags and you chose to overlook them. You are seeing where perhaps your boundaries weren't strong enough you know, where you allowed bad behavior to continue, or maybe you even rewarded it. And as you, un, you know, pack that and you're doing that process, then you see that everything that happens in life, including these huge traumas, they're really just meant to prosper you. They're meant to take you up to that next level of understanding about yourself and about life. And if you can remain grounded there, then you kind of see this person, you know, as a teacher, this was like, for me, at least a super important catalyst to for my own growth and my own healing and my own, you know, expansion of consciousness. And then ultimately, it became my life's work that I wanted to spare other people that pain that I had gone through. And, you know, a big part of my business model is that Um, So I practiced law for 20 years, Melissa, and I started building my business when I was still practicing law full time. And as great as the education I got, you know, going to an Ivy League law school, what I realized was that our education system is actually really woefully inadequate in preparing us for the most important job we're going to undertake, which is, you know, being in relationship and being spouses and being parents 
And so I wanted to change that narrative as well. If you were going to go back and have a say in redoing that curriculum, I'm curious, what would you add to it that would help better prepare us? Well, so I've actually built the curriculum and, you know, a big part of part one of the curriculum is boundaries. You know, it's basically not just boundaries in terms of, okay, well, what's mine to own and what's yours to own, but more in terms of emotional health. Because one of the biggest problems I see in marriage is that we go into marriage with very flawed conceptions of what love is. We think that love is kind of that honeymoon feeling that you get in the beginning of a marriage. And when that doesn't last, which it just by its nature cannot last, we think, oh, wow, the love is over. And where we have to change that is the understanding of actually love begins when it gets hard. Because that's when we kind of go in service of another person and we start looking at ourselves and saying, you know, what am I doing that's contributing to the unhappiness of this marriage? And how do I need to change myself to change the dynamics of this marriage? And, you know, how do I how do I communicate better and more deeply? And how do I start to heal the woundedness in myself so I'm not projecting that on my partner? And, you know... So a big part of the initial curriculum is this boundaries piece, which is just like, I need to learn how to be happy on my own and stop seeing my partner as the place where I find my happiness. And believe it or not, that's very wrapped up in boundaries. And then, you know, the second part of my curriculum is the psychology of dating and relationships. And a lot of that is grounded in polarity. So energy, I know that you're super interested in energy, I am too, and sort of understanding, you know, am I a feminine energy person primarily or am I a masculine energy person and how, what does that mean for dating behavior and how do I attract my right complement? And then, you know, the third part of my curriculum is really about the spiritual purpose of marriage. You know, marriage is really supposed to be where we heal ourselves and we expand ourselves and our understanding of love and psychology in our childhood. And then, you know, I've built a, another portion of my curriculum that's about purpose. Because I believe that unless you know your own purpose, you just kind of are a little rudderless in the world. And I'd like to build couples who are more purpose aligned and purpose driven, because then that becomes a real spiritual partnership that is, you know, something that's m much more profound than two people can be individually. They create something much bigger than that. And if this is your first time giving your mind a little love, I have a few goodies for you. First, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And second, sign up for the Morning Mind Love. Think of it like a weekday oracle from your highest self to help you start each day with a positive focus. Plus, you'll get two gifts absolutely free, a 30-minute binaural meditation and 30 days of journaling prompts to help you remember who you truly are. So join over 9,000 people and go to mindlove.com to sign up or text the word MORNING to 33777. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. Uh, 
Oh, there's so much good stuff in there. I want to break them each down individually. So I'm going to go back to boundaries because I get so fired up when I talk about boundaries because I didn't have them for so long. And now they're just like, the idea of my boundaries is so freeing to me. But I was reflecting recently on why I had such a lack of boundaries when I was younger. And I mean, I was sexually assaulted. I think that had a lot to do with it. But I think it was deeper than that. It wasn't just one led to the other. It was that I didn't value myself enough to believe that just me as myself was going to be enough to attract a partner in some deep-rooted way, even though I don't think I consciously realized that's how I was thinking. And so to set boundaries, to me, it was like I had to go be everything to that person. And to set boundaries meant I was limiting all these things. So how was I going to attract that person if I was instead uh, saying, well, I'm not going to be this, I'm not going to be this, I'm not going to be this. And so instead I would lead with, I can be that and this and that. <laughs> it just didn't serve me. Yeah. I'm like sitting over here on my side of the world, like shaking my head up and down so quickly because, you know, I think in a lot of ways, what's happening is women are coming into consciousness of how patriarchal structures Basically, we were socialized within patriarchal constructs, even if we grew up with, you know, feminist moms, right? So typically what we see, especially in the dating context, is, oh, wow, I'm so lucky to have him. And let me bend myself in a pretzel to please him. And everything that you're saying, like where we become super compliant. And the thing is, from a psychological perspective, that's actually a really unhealthy codependent construct. And the healthy construct is, well, I please me and I come first. And in the pleasuring of me, then I, you know, I train you to please me. And then in that construct, I please you back. So there's an equal give and take, but we as women really almost see ourselves as, you know, I hate to use the terminology because it's so overused, but like queens. And we sit in a different level of energy, you know, and something that I'm super interested in is what I call the elevation of consciousness from third to fifth dimensional consciousness. And to me, a fifth dimensional conscious person actually is residing equally in feminine and masculine energy. They can go back and forth between the two. But you know, there's a lot of work and growth that has to happen to get to that place. And a big part of that, I believe, is understanding your own boundaries and never betraying yourself, ever. And always putting your own, for lack of a better word, but like you, that you always want to sit in a good vibrational reality and anything that comes contrary to that, you just say no to. But to do that you almost have to deconstruct a psyche and rebuild it because remember that we're not only, you know, socialized by our own particular childhood, but we have these epigenetic patterns of, you know, multiple generations of women who've been trained into this kind of people pleasing him first compliant behavior that has to get broken and undone. I hear a lot of messages where basically you need to heal yourself before you can attract the right relationship for you. And I and I believe that on so many levels, but I also know that there's probably plenty of people out there that still feel like they have a lot of work to do on themselves. They're in a relationship that may not be the best, but there's potential there. So mm. how do you start to create those boundaries when you're already in the relationship? Because sometimes it can feel like such a switch up to, compared to how you've been approaching it before. Yeah. I mean, I think that the real recipe for change is, you know, if you have a partner who's just even open to the conversation, you know, where you can, you know, and I'm not saying that you even necessarily have to drag them into doing the work with you, but like, if you say, I want to do this for me, and some of the dialogue is going to change, and then, you know, you start communicating, even just something as simple as, you know, one of the things I see a lot right now with COVID is that people are really on top of each other. And what will happen is one partner will say, like, I need space. 
Like I'm getting annoyed with you. I'm suffocating and I need space. And the other partner will take that so seriously as like a personal affront. And so then what ends up happening is that you're basically breaking down the structures of communication and honesty. And where you want to move that conversation is like, you know, if that person maybe doesn't understand boundaries or is taking no personally, and let's say you're the more growth-seeking, conscious-seeking, enlightened partner, where you could get to the point, if you can pull them out of defensiveness, where you can say to them, like, I really love you. You are so important to me. But I sometimes just need space to myself because it's what I need to keep myself emotionally integrated. Don't take that personally. Let's not escalate that. That has nothing to do with you. And if you have a partner that can at least hear that, then I think you could have a recipe for a very successful, you know, a change within the dynamic of the relationship, but you kind of need two people who are able to keep calm and keep communicating and not be triggered, you know, because we tend to get really triggered in relationships because, you know, they're challenging. Right. And I found in my relationship, it's so much easier when you have those conversations when it's not in a triggering moment. So I make it a point though to share with my husband what I'm learning about myself. Because then when it comes up in a moment where I need it, it's already been introduced in a way. So I might be like, oh my gosh, I'm learning just how much of an empath I am and I need alone time. And so we've mm-hmm. already talked about the boundaries that I need to set. And now he'll even remind me, like when we go visit his family for long periods of time and I start to look tense, he's like, do you need to go take a walk by yourself? And it's so mm-hmm. freeing. And in mm-hmm. the moment though, What's helpful to me is because I tend to get triggered more than he does. (laughs) I don't know if it's my emotions. I'm also pregnant, so I have an excuse. But uh, when when he says something in a moment that maybe is more abrasive because he's emotional or hungry or hangry or whatever, I try to stop myself and say, like, this has nothing to do with me and somehow shift it to a perspective like he's talking about somebody else and how would I give him advice? And it helps me to approach it in a way where instead of being like, well, what? You don't want me around? I'm like, well, say he's talking about somebody else. I would be like, well, why don't you go snowboarding for an hour? We live in the mountains or or whatever it happens to be. I teach a a big part of my curriculum is nonviolent communication. I'm a huge fan of nonviolent communication because it helps two people align needs and it de-escalates conflict, right? Which is what you're trying to do in a good relationship. And one of the things I always teach is like strike when the iron's cold, meaning that the time to have a conversation is not often when you're in the midst of being kind of triggered or frustrated. You kind of want to change that vibration and cool off. And then you're able to go into it from like a more loving or empathic place, right? And, you know, the thing I found, you know, especially with, let's say, my family relationships that tend to be really triggering for me, you know, because they're like deep seated in childhood stuff and, you know, all those dynamics. And especially at the holidays, they can be so challenging. Is one, knowing my limitations, So, you know, certain relationships, I just can't be really in for more than a few days at a time. (laughs) And also, like, having an exit plan. So, like, you know, what happens if this kind of goes nuts? What's my exit plan to get out of this? And then also within that relationship, knowing the boundaries of there's certain things we just can't talk about. And being even able to have the language of, you know what, I'm just not available for this right now. I got to get off the phone or I got to step out of the room and I'll come back later. And even training like the other people that if you go there, I'm not going to engage. Like I'm immediately disengaging. So if you want my time and attention, we have to stay within sort of the boundaries and the rules that we're creating for this, let's say, new enhanced relationship. I love that tip because I find that people get emotionally addicted to their own triggers. So if you're constantly engaging when they're being feisty, then I think on some subconscious level, they end up engaging with you more often. It's like they're picking that fight. But if you just stop it there, it's it's like not rewarding that behavior in some sort of way. Well, you know, like think about it, like, you know, we're super conditioned to endure, you know, like, 
and like it's funny because the more I started studying family relationships or relationship psychology within the context of marriage, what ends up happening is that that familiarity of conflict or aggression becomes so ingrained within our psyche that when we go into workplaces where that level of conflict or aggression exists, it's familiar. And even on like a national political level, you can see that. Like, I just feel like, you know, we as American citizens have been undergoing a, and a very intensive cycle of narcissistic abuse, you know, like yeah. we're continually being gaslit and we're continually, you know, having blame shifting and some kind of tantrum throwing and we're becoming inured to it. So sort of what has to happen is you have to get to the point where you're just like, no, like I'm not participating in this anymore. And I have a right to live in peace and be happy. Even sometimes, you know, breaking up with your family or your spouse for a period of time while you can heal yourself and decondition yourself from that kind of conflict. I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. It's true with purpose, with relationships, with higher versions of yourself, and it's also true for hiring. The best way to search is actually just to match with Indeed. Indeed is your one-stop hiring platform with millions of job seekers visiting every month, and their powerful matching engine helps you find quality candidates fast. Plus, Indeed lets you schedule interviews, screen applicants, and message candidates all in one place. But Indeed isn't just about speed. They also deliver quality. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. I love Indeed because it makes hiring so much easier. I'm all about alignment in all areas of my life, and that includes people I hire to work in my business. So I need a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. And that's Indeed. And what's really cool is Indeed's matching engine gets smarter the more you use it, learning from your preferences and over 140 million qualifications. Plus, I love that I can do all my hiring in one place. It's just one less thing to keep track of between all of the other things. So join over 3.5 million businesses worldwide who rely on Indeed to find great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mindlove. Just go to Indeed.com slash mindlove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mindlove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero-sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. Right. I have gone back and forth with the idea of cutting people off versus learning to, I don't know, adapt's not really the right word. Because I think on some level, 
we need to protect our energy. And so I'm a huge proponent of being like, well, I don't think this is healthy for me. This is cut off. At the same time, we can't do that with everybody. <laughs> and there's some people that we have to continuously re-engage with. And so there's also value in developing the skill of that choosing whether or not we're going to deplete our energy on that person. And can I still be in this room with this person while they are attempting to trigger me and remain calm and not become attached to whatever they're trying to rope me into? Yeah. You know, I mean, I personally think, you know, like I was saying that I believe that we're in this major evolutionary shift of consciousness that's happening right now. And I, you know, from my perspective, I think that the highest level thinker may have to often end relationships because, like you said, those relationships are energetically depleting or there's no mutuality within the relationship. So what I mean by that is, you know, as one person is engaging in a lot of personal growth and personal transformation work, what ends up happening is their perspective of the world is radically shifting. And you make friends or you enter into a relationship at a certain vibrational level. And when you shift out of that vibrational level, forcing yourself back in those relationships is always going to deplete you because you end up being the teacher for everybody else who didn't want to basically do the real work. And from my perspective, that's not a good dynamic because it keeps everybody small. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to move people up to that higher level of consciousness. And that may just be like, you know, Melissa doesn't hang out with us anymore. Maybe I have to look at myself a little bit. But, you know, to your point, there's certain relationships you can't leave. And, you know, in my experience, some of those relationships really can be changed by your own change, meaning you know, what I started to do was people who were really energetically depleting or their vibe wasn't good, I would just give them less and less time. And I basically set up a construct that it was like, okay, well, if you want more time, you have to shift your vibration to meet me and I'm going to give you the truth in a really kind way, which meant that I had to pull all that anger off myself and heal from whatever feelings I had from it. So I could come at it from a place of empathy and love, which was like, you might not know this is this pattern that you do, whether that, you know, for me, one of, because I'm super empathic too, Melissa. And one of my biggest challenges is people who live in a very anxious or fear-based place. So I've evolved out of that and I find it really draining. And, you know, I've had to say to members of my family, okay, well, this is how you're impacting me. And this is how my energy system as an empath exists. And hey, when you fill up on sugar all day, sugar is going to mimic feelings of anxiety. And that anxiety, when you sit and watch the news all day, really gets amped up to level 10. And now I'm feeling like you're kind of robbing me of my joy a little bit. So I can't be in this as much as I'd like to be. And I started really having those conversations as crazy as it may seem. And the thing was, is because I came at it from a place of real love, they actually started to listen and hear me. And the relationship dynamic started to change because those people started to change. But it wasn't acceptable for me to live in that state and pretend it was okay, if that makes sense. Oh, 100%. I resonate deeply with that. And I love the honesty because I have found that if you can explain something in a loving way, and again, there is a line between loving and condescending because I think people totally. can slip into that sometimes. But it's oh, like, easily. yeah. And it, when you can actually explain it, though, you give somebody an opportunity to step up. You give them an opportunity to see what you're seeing. And I think that's how we share some of our growth sometimes. And they may or may not step up to it. It might usually take a little bit more reflection. They've got to sit with it and really see how that resonates with them. But I found when I when I share things, people do come back to me, like something about it they remembered. And in those moments, I think it feels good for both of us. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's like one relationship in particular that I had almost completely just given up on. Like, I just was basically like, this is going to take a miracle. And I got to tell you, the entire thing turned around. And was really just a humbling experience because this person just didn't know, you know, but 
to that point, it also took me so much work to get to the point that I wasn't enraged anymore. You know, that I was like yeah. super detached and could come at it from that loving place. Like that, don't think that that was an overnight thing. That was like, you know, I don't know. That was probably like $50,000 worth of work right there. But, <laughs> you know, on the other end of it, you know, I also lost, I just was talking about this on a podcast yesterday. You know, one of the most challenging parts for me in my own personal growth and transformation is, especially as I moved into more intentional purpose-driven work, is that a lot of the relationships I had before, you know, because you start looking at time and energy so differently. And a lot of the relationships that were before, they just didn't feel substantive or meaty enough for me. And I knew that I had to leave them. And um, one of the things that one of my coaches said to me that was really helpful was she said, you know, everybody's on their own personal journey and maybe right now you're moving faster than them. But that doesn't mean they won't catch up mm. and you don't want to kind of sit back, you know, and, and you don't want to stymie your own growth and progress and you don't want to make that behavior acceptable either. You, you do want to motivate people to move out of that level of complacency, but it might mean that for a period of time, you're not together. Right. That's really helpful because the same thing has happened to me. The more I grow, it seems like there were a lot of relationships that I had had for like a decade and I met them when I was a party girl. And so like, it just wasn't, right. wasn't resonating right. anymore. And then I, met my husband who's on a similar path to me and all of a sudden it's like my growth became exponential so i had to i had like this period of time where i was mourning well is this what marriage does is this what my growth does and in the end i really figured out that it was kind of a combination of both and it reminds me of what you said earlier about talking about the spiritual purpose of marriage and a book that i've been revisiting lately is the Seat of the Soul by Gary Zukov. And he talks mm -hmm. a lot about spiritual partnership and how yes. it's sort of different from marriage because it's this, you approach it differently. It's this idea that you are coming together to really help each other transcend to your highest selves, however that may look. So maybe sometimes it's not kind of coddling like you would or catering to the person like you might in, in a typical marriage. And it's, it's, challenging each other and it's shedding light on each other's shadows. Oh, a hundred percent. So this is like, this is the exact kind of, you know, partnerships that I want to build and I, I am building for my clients and a huge cornerstone of that is awareness of yourself. So like I was saying, you know, like, let's say with my divorce, the initial place I came to that from was blame. And then basically you go into deeper levels of self-transformation and you say, oh, wow, like I picked this for a reason. And that reason may have been, you know, a feeling of obligation or a feeling of um, fear or a feeling of unworthiness. And as I'm healing all that within myself, I'm understanding the roots of where that came from. And hopefully you're trying to be with a partner who's engaged in similar level work and understands the roots of the dysfunction because then you're picking from a different place and you have empathy for each other in a different way. So what ends up happening is like the marriage or the partnership becomes very spiritually healing because you can see where the other person is wounded and how your empathy can be very healing for them. And at the same time, you know, to your point, if you're purpose driven and in alignment, that can be the catalyst by which you turn outwards and you start working and healing other people who may be facing similar, you know, challenges. Right. And I know one of the things that you teach about in your programs is really understanding how to cultivate emotional intelligence. So what really goes into that? Is it just kind of the awareness of what their possible wounds are and keeping those in mind? Or is there something else that people can do? It's so many things, you know, I mean, I think first is that boundaries thing that you and I were talking about. So, you know, like one of the things I always teach my clients about is, you know, when you're in a good vibration, you know, when you feel good, but are you aware of when you drop out of it? And then are you aware of how to get yourself back into it without using somebody else 
as like the mechanism that you get back into it. And just that piece is huge, right? Because a lot of times, like, you know, we want our partner to be the person who makes us happy. And so it's like, well, no, I have to learn how to be happy on my own. And that's a huge part of it. And then I think, you know, the other part of emotional intelligence is the empathy piece. And to me, empathy comes more natural to some people than others. But even if you're an empath, it's still difficult to get to the level of consciousness. Like this probably was the most um, challenging part of my own journey is moving out of black and white thinking. So moving out of he's wrong, I'm right. And moving more into what's actually going on here under the surface that's causing us to have this disagreement. And then also there's no right or wrong. There's just that we have divergent needs and now we have to figure out how to align them. And that to me is like a next level partnership that, you know, so few people could probably get into because it requires so much self awareness and so much work and transformative work to, you know, even get to that level of thinking. I have been focusing on that very thing because of the division in the world I've been feeling actually. And so a lot of my Instagram posts lately have been trying to get people to understand that we are all just seeing things from our own limited perspectives. And man, people are not happy about that. People do not want to be told that it might just that the other side yeah. is just isn't evil. And it's funny because I know that's how people approach their relationships if that's how they're approaching the world because the macro is the micro. And so wherever you see that reflection in yourself or in your relationships or the way you're seeing other people, there's a chance that that's being reflected in your marriage or in your relationship with your kids. And what I've found, <laughs> I do this little trick in my brain because I notice when I'm triggered it's like my empathy knob goes down because I feel for me more than I feel for them. And so I actually play a game in my head where I'm like, this is a simulation and you created this. And that way, the only thing I'm allowed to focus on is what I am bringing to this moment. And yes, the other person, I might be able to come up with 11 different reasons why they're all so wrong, but that's not the thing that I can change. And I think a huge realization happened in me when I started to be honest with myself about where I was manipulating in my relationship. And I hate that word. It's it's a word that I like don't want to be associated with. And so that in itself was a trigger to me to make a change. Because if if I'm coming at something where I'm like, well, I'm going to stay mad for an extra five minutes so that he learns a lesson, that's manipulation, you know? Yeah. Well, we're kind of taught that's what's super hard, right? Because manipulation works. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, you know, keep doing it. Move, right. Yeah, right. But we have to move beyond that ego, right? Into that selflessness, right? And remember, like, I mean, God, there's so many complications. You know, I mean, I loved, let me just start by saying, I loved how you said, like, you know, people are really not into it when you start saying like, you know, it's just different perspectives. And I totally, you know, come at it from the same place. And I think a big part of it was because I was a lawyer for 20 years and I'm a trained mediator. So to me, it's just like, you know, and now I've gotten to the level of consciousness, you know, when I started getting really appalled with myself was when I could really start to understand what like, you know, a lot of the Republican Party was saying. You know, and I had been a lifelong Democrat and I could start to sit in both seats and really get like both of the perspectives. And I was like, well, they're both kind of right. And then when I would like talk about it, you know, people were appalled <laughs> because you're supposed to take a side. And to me, that's the inherent problem with not only the political system, but let's say marriage. Because what ends up happening is you have a pendulum effect. You just swing from side to side. And really, if you want to move society and the world or marriage or relationships to the next echelon, it has to be, I can understand why you think that way. And listen to why I think this way. And then what's the highest standard of thinking? And let's apply the highest standard that meets the most needs and does the best for most of everybody. But like, you know, I mean, that takes so much growth and evolution because we're really trained to, you know, we're trained to say this is right and that's wrong. Or, you know, this is the way I see things and you're not right. And the thing is, is you're completely right. You know, 
we all are just getting a different perspective. Right. The exact same thing happened to me. I actually used my judgment as a trigger to try to see both sides clearly. And in doing that, I ended up kind of coming to some realizations that I didn't never thought I would have like a year ago. So what's been helpful for me, though, and I think what's really helped me to be able to have that perspective is that I really do feel like I have a higher purpose through all of this. And so it's still easy to get caught up in the day-to-day arguments and like, what's going on here? What's really happening? What's the agenda? Whatever it is. But I realized I wasn't serving myself and I had another thing to go focus on. I'm like, okay, well, what do I want to be in light of all of this? What message do I think is important to be shared right now? And you mentioned purpose in relationships. And I imagine it's kind of the same. Whereas I think a lot of people don't take that time to find the purpose or meaning in what they're doing with their life. And so they end up putting it on their spouse or putting it just on their kids. And so then they have a greater need to control those relationships because it's their whole purpose. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you know, one of the things I talk about with my clients all the time is that I see that one of the biggest problems relationships have is this codependency. So everything that you're talking about, whether it's the need to control another person or that other person needs to produce my happiness for me, or, you know, I'm just generally bored and dissatisfied. And then everything kind of takes on that patina of bored and dissatisfied. And I believe that real antidote to that is purpose, because, you know, the thing I always talk about with my clients, which my clients are predominantly women, let's say 90% of my clientele is women, is that once you have your purpose, no matter how much you love this person, you can't not be doing your purpose. You know, that was my perspective, even just transitioning from being a lawyer to doing what I do now. You know, I loved being a lawyer. I had a great career. I was a social services lawyer, so I worked on poverty reform issues for the bulk of my career. I thought it was deeply meaningful, but not like what I'm doing now. Like right now, what I'm doing, I believe, is the reason I was born. And like you said, like I want to fix something that isn't working, and it seems so obvious to me why it's not working, and I want children, especially to be raised in families where they see loving parents who are communicating because so many children are raised in trauma and that trauma will impact their ability to be in a loving relationship. So you're really setting up, you know, a course of generations of dysfunction. And I want to have whatever small amount of impact I can have to, to solve that piece of the puzzle. And so like, you know, the thing is, is that's so motivating for me that it brings so much joy. And then I can share that joy and happiness with the people that I love. And, you know, and that is so important to me, like working with my clients or having conversations like this with, you know, amazing people is so important to me that I just don't think I would be able to enter into marriage or relationship from the place that I did in the past, which was like, you know, I'm not happy today. Why aren't you making me happy? Like, I don't, it's just like my entire framework has changed almost on all of it. And a lot of that was really finding my purpose. And, and that's why I'm so driven to help other people find their purpose. Because I also think just from an energy and human capital perspective, we have so many large scale problems and we need thought leaders, you know, moving into greater agency. And it seems to me that women, especially, um, they have a different perspective because their empathy skills are so huge. So it's even just helping them cross that hurdle of fear into a place of faith and saying, yeah, you can be a small business owner. Yep. You're going to you know, make your salary. Yep. You can leave benefits behind and you'll, you'll make it up somehow. And just empowering people to even begin to have that narrative and that conversation. Right. Because the way you show up in a relationship tends to be reflected back to you, especially if you're in that type of spiritual partnership. Like you said, manipulation works and it totally does. But I've found that in all my relationships where I'm manipulating, 
that suddenly my partner's manipulating me right back. <laughs> it's 100%. not just one sided. And I don't want to live that way. It's just totally. kind of miserable. <laughs> oh, totally. Totally. And you know, like, you know, I was on a podcast a few um, weeks ago. It was really funny. And we were talking about purpose. We we're having this big conversation about purpose. And I was saying to him, I was like, yeah, like, I know the national lex- lexicon is like, the, you know, the ideal date is let's get Netflix and chill. But I just feel that's kind of sad when you have two vibrant, energetic, intelligent people not like, you know, really doing something powerful and dynamic in the world when it's necessary. Because, you know, I kind of see like a lot of people post on Facebook and, you know, like they'll put the thumbs down for something that outrages them politically. But it's like, well, we're all agents of change. You know, we all can take a small piece of a puzzle and and be really forceful, you know, agents in society to build something bigger and better. Right. And I think that is the the goal of that sort of spiritual partnership. It's to be there for each other and understand each other's wounds, help each other heal, understand each other's purpose and help each other build. And through that, it just in my experience, happens exponentially faster. So thank you so much for everything that you've shared today. And for listeners that are interested in learning more about you and your work, where's the best place for them to connect with you online? Yeah, they can just go straight to my website. It's schooloflovenyc.com. schooloflovenyc.com. Drop me an an email, connect with me. I'm happy to help in any way that I'm able to. And even though my business is based in New York, I have a global clientele. All of the links for this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 167. So your challenge for this week is to get really clear on your expectations for your relationship. This requires some self-reflection and some reflection of your life overall. It can take a lot of courage to be honest with ourselves about where we're trying to manipulate our partner, when we're trying to get them to fulfill needs that we really should be fulfilling ourselves, when we are being unfair and having expectations on them that really shouldn't be placed on them. So be really honest with yourself because this is only going to help you. And one thing I struggled with when I was first starting to understand this is understanding that finding fulfillment in yourself first is not letting your partner off the hook. A good relationship will fulfill needs that you don't even know that you have. I have found that the less I have expectations of my husband, the more he starts to naturally do for me because it's not coming from a place of need or lack on my end where he feels like he is under pressure to make sure that I'm okay at any given moment. Instead, because we are both coming from a place of wholeness, he wants to make me happier. He wants to light me up. And so it's coming from this place of abundance and in trying to please me in a way that brings more joy instead of just bringing me from a low to the status quo. Have you ever tried to surprise your partner, your mom or a friend with something where you're just going to take care of a need of theirs just out of the blue and you wanted to see their face light up? But then they come and they ask you to do it, and maybe even in a nagging tone, and you're like, well, now I don't even want to do this anymore. (laughs) I hate when that happens because it feels like it turns something fun and generous into yet another chore that I need to do. And that's kind of what's happening in reverse with a lot of people. And I just want to clarify again that this doesn't mean that you have really low standards for a partner and you just put up with the bare minimum. It means that you put yourself first and you know yourself and honor yourself so much that you know your values, you know what you're looking for, you know what you deserve, and those things start to naturally align in your life. If you are with somebody that is just terrible for you, that will never grow with you, that will always be manipulating you or bringing you down, when you start to do this inner work, suddenly it won't be something that you can put up with anymore. It'll be something that you know you need to release so you can step into the next version of yourself. 
Or like I said earlier, your partner will start to step up to keep up with you. But that first step involves knowing yourself, just like the first step in really any part of your self-growth. Knowing yourself, getting clear on what you want, defining that, and then starting to make those changes within you first. So let me know how it goes. Reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. If you love this episode or you know somebody that needs to hear it, tap the little share button and send it directly to them or take a screenshot and tag me at Mind Love Melissa and Mind Love Podcast. Don't forget, we have twice the amount of episodes as a premium subscription and you can sign up for that at mindlove.com slash premium. And that's all for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.